You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. So today, as we as we get into this, I'm going to reveal to you the, the the spirit that we're talking about this week, but I kind of want to start it with a little bit of a story. You know, I guess it was probably 2005, 2006, somewhere around there that that both my wife and I were in the military, as, as some of you know, and you can tell by my, this is actually one of my old shirts. I didn't think I was going to fit in it. It was like, it was like absolutely, it was like pouring sausage into a sausage casing. It's, it doesn't work, but hey, it, I look good. I'm a little bit heavy. Thank you. It's my, do that again. <laughs> it was around 2006. We, we actually, where we were working, we actually had the opportunity to uh, participate in a, in a TV show, in the, produ- in the production of a TV show. And it was, it was a, a, at the time, a famous illusionist. And he came out and it was, it was so interesting because off camera, like, you know, got the jet black hair. I'm not going to reveal his name because we're on live stream and stuff. But <laughs> I mean, just saying. <laughs> Had the, like the jet black hair and you know, and but he was like this super nice guy and you're like, hey man, how you doing? And then as soon as the camera's on, it was like, you know, it's like this super dark person. It was really kind of funny, but his illusions on camera were like really cool. It was really to really neat to watch this thing. But as soon as you step behind the production curtain, you started to realize what what camera angles and and double stick tape and makeup and prosthetics really do to the to the magic it you realize just how fake it is but it looks really good it looks really good why am i telling you this story because today we're going to talk about a magician in the bible yes there is magic in the bible and as a matter of fact we wrestle not against flesh and blood but we wrestle against the spirit of simon now let me give you a little, let me, let me kind of set the stage for you a little bit if I can. We're in the book of Acts. Stephen had just been stoned and, and Saul approved of this. That's kind of the first time that we see him. He approves of this and, and right after that starts the great persecution. And everybody, all these Christians are scattered amongst, amongst Judea and Samaria and, and, and Philip goes out and, and he's preaching to Samaria and, and the church starts to grow. And the church starts to grow very fast and, and, and really big. It starts to, to get a lot of notoriety. I mean, people are like, wow, there's something going on here. But sometimes when you have that quick and, and unkept growth, things start to happen. The predators start to come. Think about when the Wild West, you know, when it was being, when it was being settled, we had that same thing, right? The, the, the people come into the settlement and cities would start to grow. And then you have the snake oil salesman coming in. Hey, let me get you let me tell you this, all the, the, the cure-all. Well, that happens in the church too. Not just then, but it happens now. So we have this, this huge church that's, that's growing and, 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 and people getting saved. And what it's starting to do, it's starting to create, create this hunger for the supernatural. Like there's something going on. And in walks this man named Simon. They call him Simon the Magician. Turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 8, verse 9, and I'm going to follow my brother Scott here and put on some readers so I can actually see. 25 years or 20 years ago when I put this uniform on, I didn't need him. (laughs) Chapter 9, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying this man is is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. 
But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed after being baptized, he, was, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Verse 14. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain this gift with money. Verse 21, you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of, wicked, of this wickedness of yours, and pray that the Lord pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. There's so much to unpack in that little bit of scripture. So much to unpack about Simon, so much to unpack about that time and that situation. But let's talk about Simon himself. It, it, he was a very influential guy. When he heard about everything that was going on, you know, he started to build himself up. He started to, to do these things. I mean, we know that he was an influential guy because right at the beginning, he says he was an influential guy. He's like, hey, I'm an influential guy. And everyone was like, you're right. You're an influential guy. That's just, he was, he was very full of himself. They paid attention to him, which made his ego get bigger and bigger and bigger. They looked at him and they believed that he was a form of God. He was, he was the power that they talk about. He was the power of God. He had the power of God. He was the first false teacher to actually infiltrate the church because he's doing this sleight of hand stuff. He's doing this trickery, but then he partners it with the demonic. And then the stories come out that this man could levitate. He could fly. He could do all these things. So now people are like, man, this guy, he's good. And we've heard of these other healings and stuff like that. Well, he has to be as good. Some, some uh, theologians actually believe that he is the founder of, of post-Christian Gnosticism, which believes that, that salvation comes through a secret knowledge. Now, whether that's true or not, I, I mean, I don't know. You can, you can look that up. But one thing that we did get from good old Simon is this, this word simony, which is the buying of, uh, buying of, of offices or indulgence and, indulgences and other spiritual things. Basically, what it's saying is Simon wanted to purchase the gift. Simon wanted to purchase the power of God. He wanted to give money and be blessed. That's like going to a wedding when they have an open buffet and say, Scott, let me buy you dinner. You know, it's like back in the day when you would go to an open bar and say, let me buy you a drink. It just, you're trying to buy something that's already free. All you have to do, all Simon had to do was to believe and have faith and the power was his. The problem is in verse 13, it says he believed and he was baptized. Now we're going to pack this a little bit more, but you're saying, you may be saying to yourself, Pastor Josh, if he believed and he was baptized, then why didn't he have the spirit? Because he had no faith. He didn't have faith in what was happening. He thought it was a process. And we're going to talk about that. Simon didn't have this heart shift. 
It didn't click for him. He hadn't had an encounter with Jesus that actually changed his life. He tried to buy his faith to receive something that could help him create miracles. He thought this was the way that it was supposed to happen. Simon wasn't willing to lay down his kingdom for the kingdom of God. He wanted to boost his career. He wanted to gain himself notoriety. He wanted to make himself famous. It wasn't about God for Simon. The object of Simon's faith wasn't Jesus. It wasn't God. It was the supernatural power that Holy Spirit gave. That's what he wanted. That's where, it, that's where he had this, this whole thing messed up. Simon wanted to monetize Jesus. Simon wanted to say, hey, I'm going to pay you so that I can turn around and people will pay me and I can lay hands. I can be bigger. I can be better. People will pay attention to me. That's the problem with Simon. He had the blinders on. He, he thought that, that he could just believe and be baptized and then he, paying is the next piece. He was a great man. He had notoriety. People knew who he was. Imagine what he could have done if he would have just stepped out in faith and actually took it all. Imagine what he could have done. But the spirit of Simon didn't end in Acts. The spirit of Simon actually flows in the secular world, but in the church today. It binds us. It hurts us. It puts us in slavery. It, it creates a hunger and a drive and a need for four things. Power, position, purpose, and people. That's what the spirit of Simon does. That's how it binds us. What do you mean? Just listen. Here, I'll even give you a fifth one because I can, I can boil it all down and encompass it all in one, one word, pride. Your pride will search out power. Your pride will search out position. Our pride will search out purpose and it will use people. Pride is at the heart of the spirit of Simon. It tries to buy things. It tries to buy people. It, the spirit of Simon makes power feel like a necessity to be somebody. Simon wanted this power of God. But God doesn't give his power for individual gain. He doesn't give his power so that you can be better, so that you can get all the accolades. He gives you the power so you can do his work. So he can do his work through you. It's not about us. God doesn't give me the power to speak so that I can come up here and give you a 35 minute dissertation on whatever I want. He gives me the power to speak so that he can operate through me to reach you. This has nothing to do with pastor Josh. This has everything to do with the King. In verse 17 and 18, it says they laid hands on him, on them and received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying of the apostles hands, he offered them money. Simon saw the power. He saw it. It was tangible. It was real. It manifested in front of his eyes. And he said, I want that. Who in here has seen a miracle? Who in here has seen a miracle? That's right. That's right. Jake, how much did that miracle cost you? Zero dollars. Okay, well, let me ask it to you this way. Who in here has seen a miracle that they had to lay money out for? That's right. No one. Why? 
because miracles can't be bought. Holy Spirit power can't be bought. Getting close to God can't be bought. Your position with God can't be bought. But the spirit of Simon uses the perception of influence to encourage a power grab for position. In verse 18, the attempts to purchase, Simon attempts to purchase that position. Why? Because he didn't want the power for God's kingdom. He wanted it for his kingdom. He wanted it for the admiration of the people like me, love me, come to me, not come to the Father. He wanted higher esteem, and this power could get him there. But see, Peter calls him out in verse 23. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. Peter calls him out. Now, here's the thing. For some of us, some people may be like, well, you know, I mean, he's just trying to, to bless the ministry. Eh, probably not. Peter discerns what's going on. Peter sees it. And he's like, look, man, here's the deal. I know what you want, but you are not in the right place. Your heart is in the wrong spot. The gall of bitterness. So I, I looked this up. I, let me equate it to, so you know when we talk about when someone says, oh, in my heart of hearts, that's like, that's like true. That's like the, in my heart, from my heart of hearts, I love you. That's like the truest love. The gall of bitterness is the opposite of that. That's like the most bitter of bitters. That's like the, the deep, vile hatred. That's the dark. And Peter's saying, I see that you're in this. Simon was, he was basically, or Peter was basically saying to Simon, your heart is full of sin, man, and you can't have what I got because that's why. Simon was beholden, it says he was in the bond of iniquity and the bond of sin. Simon was beholden to his sinful heart. But I don't think it was his fault. What do you mean, Pastor Josh? Wait, wait, wait a second. You see, Simon was new to the faith and he didn't really understand what was happening. Let me, let me explain it to you like this. Simon was a magician. We know that scripture tells us that. So most likely he, he, he didn't just wake up one day and he's like, poof, I'm a magician, here we go. No, he had to learn these things. And so what he probably did is he probably found somebody who operated very similarly to what he wanted. And he followed them. And he was discipled by them. And he learned more about being a magician and he learned more about what it took to do what he wanted to do. And he probably had to slide them some money because you can only get to a certain level without paying a little bit and then you go to the next level. So when he, when he, when he heard of, of what was going on and he heard about this, this, whole, this whole Jesus movement that was happening, he says, well, hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And so he, he saw and he believed because that's the first step. I'm a believer. I'm watching what you're doing. I believe. I, I'm listening. This sounds great. I believe. Oh, well, the next step, oh, people are getting baptized. Oh, okay, well, now I believe, so now I have to get baptized. Okay, well, baptize me. I'm next. He gets baptized, and he's like, okay. Oh, well, there's this big movement happening, and here come these, these bigger guys. Here comes Peter and John. Well, they're the ones that have what I'm wanting, so this is the point where I reach in and I slide them some coin. How much is this going to cost me? Simon was captive in his sin nature because he hadn't tasted the true freedom and release that comes with true faith and belief. He didn't know who he was or whose he was. 
Therefore, he didn't know the calling and the purpose on his life. The spirit of Simon will confuse us and make us question our purpose. That's what happened to Simon, operating in his own spirit. I can't tell you how many times I sit down with people or I hear people talking, and they're like, man, what is, what's my purpose here? What am I supposed to be doing here? I can't, there's got to be so much more. There's got to be something else. Man, I can't say, I cannot imagine that, that my entire purpose on all of this, on all this earth, everywhere in this globe, my entire purpose is to sit here behind the, this computer and put data entry. I can't imagine that that's what it's about. This is not my purpose. What if in fact that is your purpose and God has you in that place because he wants to shift the atmosphere because he's trying to get to somebody through you? When we start to question our purpose, when the spirit of Simon starts to operate and we start to question our purpose, we start to question God's purpose in our life. And we start to turn our face from God because we start looking for, for something different. We start to look and, and start to, to chase position. We start to get stuck in that pride and we lose, a, we lose sight of what's available that God has for us. Simon didn't want the supernatural power so he could do God's will. He wanted it so he could do his will. We sit there and when we start to question our purpose in our place, that's what we do. We don't, we're not trying to, when we start to jockey for position, we take our face away from what God is calling us to do and put it in our own hands. Verse 19, Simon says, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands on may receive the spirit. Simon wanted it to be him, not God. Simon had a me focus, not a he focus. Spirit confuses your calling. It challenges your purpose. It makes you hunger and want for more, but in the worldly sense, not the supernatural sense. It tells you, it makes you think, I need to grab more. I need to take all of these things. I got to bring it all in. I got to have the most money. I got to have the most cars. I got to have the biggest house. I got to have the most influence. I got to have all this stuff. When really you have all of that and so much more in the kingdom, it makes you forget about these things. We start to operate that way or we start to feel that way and we're like, man, I want worldly more. We have to turn and face God and say, it's not about a worldly more. I want the kingdom more. But when we have that, that, that worldly more focus, when we're questioning our purpose, we start to realize exactly how we can get it. The spirit then takes the next step and it shows that we can use people as a vehicle to gain notoriety. People, Simon, the, the, the spirit of Simon convinces us that people are simply stepping stones to fame and fortune. For Simon, his platform was being, was being, was being threatened. You know, he had everything. He was the really big name guy. He had fame. He had notoriety. But his platform was being challenged. Why? Because Jesus came in. And Jesus started, his, the message of Jesus started working. And then people started getting hands laid on. Now everything that he's doing in, in, in the, that he's faking or that he's doing in the demonic, everything that he's doing, the real deal is happening right before him. And he's not getting any cut of that. Now everybody else is just as good as him. So he needs more. Simon wanted to take back what he perceived was his when all along it was God's. 
The spirit of Simon creates jealousy and insecurity, which creates an unhealthy drive. One of the places you'll see the spirit of Simon work, work so well, if you will, is in leaders. If you've ever worked for a poor leader that is operating in the spirit of Simon, you'll know that when they feel threatened by someone else's abilities, they'll find ways to manipulate and keep them down. They'll find ways to, to push them off to the side, to, to utilize what gifts they have and what gifts they need. They'll cherry pick it from their lives and then keep them away. Because far be it from them to say, you know what, you're really good. I want to pour into you because then you can go above me. Leaders who operate in the spirit of Simon don't want anyone to come above them. They want to be the end all be all. That's what it was for Simon. His desire was not for God, but to take from God. But it's not just leaders. Maybe you're not a leader. Maybe you're not a leader where you are in your, in your community, in your sphere of influence. Maybe you're just somebody that, that goes in and punches the clock, does some data entry. Don't think that, that, that people who follow aren't susceptible to the spirit of Simon as well. Spirit of Simon still tries to buy position, still tries to buy power, still tries to buy purpose from people who are followers. How does it happen? When you start to get close, hey, let me, let me do this for you. No, it's okay, I got it. Yeah, let me slide you a couple bucks. Let me help further your ministry. Let me just give you that. It's all good? No, we're good. Don't confuse this with a true blessing. If God puts a blessing on your heart, says, hey, bless this person, go and do this for this person, then you should do it. And also don't confuse it with tithing because tithing is a way for us to give back to God. It's not about buying favor with God or buying favor in the kingdom. It's not about that. What I'm talking about is the spirit of Simon that says, hey, you know what? I'm gonna give you this or I'm gonna do this for you because at the end of the day, there's something in it for me. It's all about your heart position, but it's not always about money. It's time, talent, treasure, right? To, to simplify it, if you ever have a question, is what is being done, is it being done with an expectation from the leader? If so, it's probably operating in the spirit of Simon. If you're blessing somebody with an expectation of favor, if you're sliding somebody some money with an expectation of something in return, it's not truly from God. We talked about, Pastor Mark talked about the, the spirit of Jezebel in the entertainment industry. Where do you think this one resides heavily, a lot? The government. The government. Oh, no, Pastor Josh is going there. Yeah. I'm telling you. Let's take a little trip. Money buys what? Power, position, people. And purpose. You ever heard the term pork barrel politics? Yeah. It refers to the practice of politicians trading favors with constituents or special interest groups in exchange for political support. Maybe we have it. I know I heard some of you say, yeah, you've heard of it. But for those who haven't, how about the term earmarks? Yeah, that's, that's, a, little more, that's a little more tolerable. I'll support a larger effort because my smaller project is in there. I'm going to support you. I may not totally agree with what you got going on, but 
I'll throw my support back there because you're going to pay me back here. Kickbacks. Quid pro quo. Pay to play. Support. Right? You see what's happening? This is where that spirit operates. You can question it by all means. By all means, you can question it. But here's what I would suggest to you. Go pull any budget that's been that's been done in the last 20 years. Any governmental budget that's been done in the last 20 years and just look at it. I'll give you an example. The most recent 2,700-page, $1.5 trillion spending bill that just got paid, that just got approved, has more than 4,000 earmarks in it. I'm not saying, look, I'm gonna, I will say right, I'm not saying that they're all bad. I'm not saying that they're all in the spirit assignment. What I'm saying is that that's how it operates. Now, some of them, look, if you want to read something, go online, type in uh, uh, examples of pork barrel politics, and you're gonna be like, holy moly, this is actually happening. Yes, it actually happened. I mean, you'll, you'll be floored at some of the things that, that were slid into bills so that bills could pass. It's amazing and sad, but that's where the spirit of Simon sits. It's not left, it's not right, it's not Republican or Democrat, it's the spirit. It's a supernatural thing that we're trying to fight against that just found a great place, nice and cozy and warm to live, which just happens to be the government. People who operate in the spirit of Simon project their own control mechanisms onto others. That's what, it's, that's what happens. That's how it happens. I'm going to control you one way or another. This is how it's going to happen. I'm going to do this. You're going to do this. It all comes down to heart posture. When we operate in the spirit of Simon or the spirit of Simon is operating and you're not really sure and you're trying to discern what it is, sit back and think to yourself, is what's going on for the betterment of the kingdom or for the individual? Is the kingdom being built an individual's or God's? Is it a me focus or a he focus? If it's kingdom focused, it's not the spirit of Simon. If it's the kingdom focused, it's not the spirit of Simon. I told you at the beginning that we're going to talk about how to, how to fight this. And I'm going to give you some tools to prepare you to go into battle, and I'm getting ready to do that. But before I do, I kind of have to add some closure to this whole Simon story. Now, Simon and Peter, from, from texts that date back to the third century, it, it says that there are places that it says that this kind of rivalry went back and forth for a while. That they would, they would show up and, and they do this back and forth thing. But it all culminated in the, 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 the showdown in Rome, you know, it's like, okay, 12 o'clock, you be there, I'll be in Rome, it's going down. And so in Rome, in front of Nero, Emperor Nero, Simon said, okay, I'm going to, I got the showstopper right here. This is what, this is how it's gonna be. And so, so Simon says, I'm going to show you that I can fly. Now, from some of the things that I read, it said that Peter just started to pray. So Simon decides to climb up to the top of the Roman Forum to show that he can fly. And ladies and gentlemen, fly he did. 43 feet, right down. 
Now they say that because he was a he was a a favorite of Nero that this was because uh, Peter was coming against him that this is actually one of the reasons that Nero decided to crucify Peter. Now whether that's true or not, you know we're talking third century text, so you know you just kind of figure it out. But at the end of the day, you see who won because God will not be mocked. God will not give up His power. God will not release His throne doesn't matter for how much silver you have. So what's that mean for us? It means there's four ways that we can combat this spirit. There's probably more, but I'm going to highlight four to you. The first one is to know your source. Ephesians 3, 14 through 20, the prayer for spiritual strength. That's a good place to start, to know our source. Our power comes from God. Our power does not come from man. If we're secure in that, then we take power from the spirit of Simon and render it useless. Let me, let me do it like this. Hang on just a second. I brought a prop because I think this is a really good illustration of the power of God. This is a light bulb. This, when turned on, this does not, this, this shows the end result of power. It illuminates a room. But did you know that when you flip this on, the power is not generated here? Actually, that can't even happen. That can't even go on without this. This is a light switch. This does not function when this isn't engaged. But did you know that even when you turn this on, if there's nothing coming to it, it does, this doesn't light up. This isn't where the power comes from. This is a piece of coal taken from the Gallatin coal plant up in, up in Gallatin. This and millions of tons of its brothers are incinerated, turned into in energy, and it goes through a number of steps. It goes through different processes, through different procedures. It steps down in voltage. It travels through hundreds of miles of line, all to get to the telephone, all to get to the power pole by your house. And then it comes down and into your house and it runs all the way into your bedroom and it sits right here, waiting to be engaged. It will sit here dormant until you flip that switch. And then this comes on. If this is us, if this is our end result, and this is our beginning, we have to flip this. God generates the power. He sends it across time, space, and eternity to one moment in your life. And he says, wait, it just sits there and waits. It waits until it's ready to be engaged. And when you engage that, when we engage that, this comes on. All this is, is a vessel in which we get to show God's light. All we are is a vessel that gets to show God's light. The power doesn't come from here. The power doesn't come from here. The power comes from the source and the source is God. Number two, check your ego. Hmm. Mm, oh, I heard a whole bunch of, ooh, ah, yeah. 
Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful things and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Know your weaknesses. Know your weaknesses. Ask yourself this question, what am I willing to compromise for the sake of my desires? If I know that, then I can learn from it, and then I can know it, and then I can fight it, and then I can die to it. And that takes the power away from it. It doesn't matter how great I think I am. I'm only as good as God within me. And if my switch is off, guess what? It's just sitting there, waiting. When my focus shifts from him to me, I'm no longer doing it for the kingdom. I'm doing it for my own gain. And I become worthless to the kingdom. I become like a flat spare tire in your trunk. It's pointless unless you have a way to pump it up. In verse 22, Simon, or Peter rebuked Simon. He gave him the opportunity. But what, how did Simon respond? Simon didn't say, oh, you're right, man. Please teach me. Man, thank you. Help me. What do I need to do? No, no, no. He said, pray for me. You pray for me. You do it for me. You do it because I'm not gonna. So please pray for me that those things don't come to pass. He didn't say, oh man, you know what? Can we pray right now? I don't know how to do what? Wow. No, he was too prideful to humble himself, to bring himself low. He was too full of himself to say, yes, I can't, I can't do this on my own. That takes us to number three, resist your pride. Ezekiel 28, 17. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of splendor. The devil's fall shows the cost of being prideful. When it comes to pride, there's, a, there's, there's this fine line that we can walk. You know, I'm prideful of my family. I'm prideful of my kids. I love to see the great things that they're doing. But it's not the type of pride where I'm like, I'm the greatest. That's bad pride. Let me explain it to you like this. There's a difference between cocky and confident. Pride shows through in cockiness because it says, I'm the best. I'm the one, I'm the guy, it's about me. Look at me, all eyes on me, 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 me. That's cockiness. Confidence is the opposite of that. Confidence says, I know who I am. I don't boast in my abilities. I know that God has made me great. I know that God has given me everything that I am and everything that I can, but I'm not gonna boast in that. I'm gonna be humble. It allows me, confidence allows me to pour out because I've been poured into without worrying about somebody taking me over. Look, I'm just gonna tell you, if we sit here and are so worried about our position and someone being better than us, then we're doing a disservice to the kingdom and to ourselves because our point and our calling and our mission is to pour into people to go and make disciples, to teach them so that they can be better than us. Imagine if Jesus had that, imagine if Jesus didn't look at it like that. What did Jesus say when he left? You'll do greater things than I did. How come we can't model that? Why do we get so scared to model it? Lift them up. Be better than me. I want my ceiling to be my kid's floor. Let them step up. Yeah. 
If we're not pouring into somebody on the job because we're afraid that one day they might be our boss, you're just doing a disservice because here's a little secret. If God wants them promoted, he's going to promote them. You might as well get on board and be a part of the kingdom train because it's going to happen. Then you can rejoice and you can celebrate and you can be like, yes. And you take it to the spirit of Simon. You fight against it. You resist it that way. Confidence will, will, will overcome cockiness any day of the week. And the best thing about it is it will keep you humble. That takes us to our number four. Walk in humble humility. Philippians 4, 12 and 13 says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You can't fake humility. You can't. We can't fake faith. We can't fake belief. We can't fake truth. Superficial humility and faith will be shown. It will come out. Simon believed, but he didn't have faith. Simon believed in what he was talking about. He believed in what he saw. He saw the power manifested in front of him. He believed it, but he didn't have faith. He didn't have the faith to, to humble himself. He looked at God and the power of God as a commodity. How can I leverage this to make me better, to make me bigger, to make me more famous? He wasn't humble. James 4, 6 says, therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You ever seen somebody who is super prideful? Like, man, it's just like disgustingly prideful. And, and you watch how things in their lives just fall just fall apart. They don't work. People around them don't like them. They think that, they, that they're liked and loved and adored, but people around them don't like them because they see through it. Their relationships are surface level and not deep. They're on their second, third, fourth marriage, whatever the case may be, and that's not a condemnation for anybody that's gone through that. What that is, is we're talking about somebody who operates in the spirit of pride, and if you are operating in the spirit of pride, and you're not humble, and you haven't come low, and you haven't said, God, I give it all to you, then maybe, just maybe, the spirit of Simon is active in our lives. We need to stay humble. We need to walk in humility. We have to be aware of the spirit of Simon and we have to be able to discern that, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of people around us. Because sometimes we're the only voice that, that, that people will hear. Sometimes if all we're doing is that entry, we're the only one that can shift that atmosphere, that can speak against that spirit. As we get ready to go back into worship, I wanna give you a couple of things to think about because we're gonna have some ministry time but I want you to think about the spirit of Simon. Is he active in, in people that you're around in your community? Well, let me take it a step further. Is he active in your life? It's okay. It's okay if you start to realize places that you have a spirit of Simon operating because guess what? There's healing. There's discernment. You can get rid of it very easily. You don't have to sit in it. You're not stuck with it. Again, you recognize it, you learn it, you die to it. Think about how you ask God about how to discern that spirit and how to war against it. 
Second thing I want you to think about, and I feel it in this service just as much as I felt it in the last, is checking your ego. Pride is an ugly, ugly thing. And I really feel like there are some, some folks in here that pride's what's holding you back. Pride is something that you get beat up with on the regular. And you're too afraid to lay it down. You're too afraid to be humble because if you're humble, you have to say, I was wrong and I'm sorry. And you have to let it be. You can't say, I was wrong, I was sorry, but you blah, blah, blah. When you lay down your pride, you release it. I'm sorry, I was wrong. How do I go forward? How do we stay humble, Lord? Pastor Josh, I'm good with all those things. Good. And pray for somebody next to you. Pray for those people in your circumstances. Pray for those people that are in your sphere of influence. I don't know how to pray. Then the last thing that I want to tell you to do is pray for an infilling of the Holy Spirit. You can only be battle ready if you know the battle you're fighting. And the only way to know the battle that you're fighting is to be ready is to get with God because once Holy Spirit is inside you, then you can step on the battlefield, but not a moment before. Collectively, if we don't have Holy Spirit working inside of us and, and warring with us, we can do nothing. We're just spinning our wheels. But the second that we get Holy Spirit, the second that he comes in and says, okay, let's go to war. It's like when Superman would jump in the phone booth and rip off that suit and come out. You're ready. You're ready to go. Know your source. Stay humble. Resist pride. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the sun sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.